And there's a lot of questions we just don't know the answers to. Good morning and Good morning. welcome to episode 240 of Effectively mm-hmm. Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. You know what I like about 240? What? 240 is the line where a bad batting average becomes just a mediocre batting average, or, or I guess where a, a terrible batting average becomes just a bad batting average. Like a guy who's hitting in the 230s is having a lousy year. A guy who's hitting in the 240s is like a decent week away from hitting 265. Yeah. Uh, 240 is a big number. Another month so, and we'll be, we'll be average. Almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what I don't like about 240 is that I haven't slept since 239. So this is going to be this is going to be a challenge, but we'll get through it. This is this is listener email Wednesday, so you will help us get through this with your questions. Wade Boggs had 240 hits once. Hmm. Uh, it was a big. That was a that was a uh, that that's some black ink that I saw a lot in uh-huh. my life. I probably saw that black ink about a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Does it uh, does it reassure you that the Cardinals released Ty Wigginton? With, uh, with many millions remaining on his deal. It kind of makes me feel better that they make mistakes. Um, you know, uh, what was the original deal? Two years, five million. Signed this offseason? Yep. Huh. Uh, I, no, it doesn't necessarily reassure me. Why would that reassure me? Makes me... Feel a little bit, a little bit better that they haven't completely solved baseball. Uh huh. That even the Cardinals can make some some costly missteps. I, yeah, I, I guess. Um. Okay. I'm not rooting against. I'm not. I I don't mind if the. I actually find it more interesting when the Cardinals seem uh, invincible. Uh huh. Uh. I felt. I felt a little nervous. I I would say that I felt a little nervous in life. Ever since like last May, when the Rangers quit being invincible, it was nice to know that there was there was a, there was somebody out there who had figured it out, you know. Because mm. like my life is pretty good. I like my life. I generally think I make right decisions. But you know, I'm still striving to get better. I'm still striving for this, you know, like perfect, you know, perfect existence. Like that, I'm hoping that someday, I, you know, I might achieve. And so when you see a team that has achieved it, it gives you hope. And then when you see that they are actually like, uh, you know, huffing paint uh, behind, uh, you know, behind the middle school, and you realize that they're just a fraud like everybody else, and you're a fraud too, uh, I find that troubling. So no, that I would say that the Ty Wigginton news is the worst thing I've heard today. It makes it makes their greatness seem more attainable to me. Uh, I now feel like I can aspire to be as good at something as St. Louis is because they're not completely perfect. No, because they're as flawed and pathetic as you. You're saying but there's no so. room for improvement. Much less it's, so. Uh, there's still I plenty guess. of room for improvement. There's just there's hope now that I could I could reach that point because I can that, make a mistake yeah. and, and still be like the Cardinals. Do you remember the day you found out that Ty Wigginton was white? <laughs> um... I don't. I don't really remember him being one of those uh-huh. confusing <laughs> race I, players. I went through a period in my life where I was the worst at both left, right, and uh, and and racial. Like I don't even. Yeah. Like obviously, I don't care what Ty Wigginton is. It mm. makes no difference to me. But I would. I would realize that I. Well, I'd turn on a game and I'd. I'd see a guy and I'd be like, that guy. That's. <laughs> Yep. That's what he looks like, and he <laughs> bats left-handed? 
so, yeah, I have a friend who every once in a while, still to this day, but for a period of time, about every three weeks or so, I would just send him a text message or an email saying, you know, Brian Giles, left or right? And, uh-huh. and he, he would reply. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not good at, at left, right. Um, never been great at that. I, mm-hmm. I've never been good at, at things that are easy to look up because mm-hmm. I use, you know, baseball reference or whatever as a crutch. So, mm-hmm. like, uniform numbers, I have no idea what anyone's uniform number is. Um, I, I mean, it always yeah. seems sort of, uh, sort of like a relic of an earlier time when maybe we didn't see players all the time and know what they looked like and and many of them have their names on their jerseys so that was never really a um a significant thing to me that i tried to commit to memory mm-hmm. pretty good little career wigginton put together you think it's over i assume he'll be a, a yankee in a matter of days he made 25 million dollars in his life <laughs> 25 million dollars in many fields he would be he would be considered uh, the greatest success. At well, that like thing. I, re- you know, I remember when I was a kid watching the Big Spin. You didn't have the Big Spin; it was the California Lottery, and the Big no. Spin was like a Saturday evening, almost like a game show kind of a, a setup. But it was like on a studio, and there was uh, no no audience. And the Big Spin is if you played the Big Spin Scratcher, you could win spin, and then you get to go on this show, and you'd get to to spin their wheel and, you know, play one of their games. And you'd see these guys and they'd win like $12,000. And they were so happy. I mean, they were as happy as you've ever seen a human being. And Ty Wigginton has made, uh, what is it, 2,000 times that much in his career. And you get the feeling that there was never a moment where Ty Wigginton just soaked it all in and jumped jumped around ecstatically in his room. Like, he, even though he made 2,000 times as much as that, you know, that one, as, as that guy made, he was never as happy as that guy. That guy, that guy was happy. And Ty Wigginton has just been like, okay, got to go to work again. <laughs> and then slowly but surely, he's one of the richest human beings who's ever lived. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, all right, is that enough banter? Emails. Okay, uh, we're going. Let, all right, let's start with uh, we got we got ten questions from Jason Wojcikowski in one email. We picked a couple of them to answer. Um, yes. So the first one is, do you care about catcher framing in the All-Star game? If you're choosing between Jonathan Lucroy and Carlos Santana and stipulating that each has the same value, but Lucroy's comes from defense slash framing, whom do you take? That's a good question. You just, you just corrected his yes, who whom. I did. <laughs> which he'll I think he'll find amusing when he listens to this episode a few months from now as... I think that <laughs> it's almost not fair to ask you this question because if there is on, if there's one person in the world who would choose the framer I, I assume it would be you well we're stipulating that each has the same value well so yeah let's not stipulate that yeah, let's let's, not... <laughs> let's okay. stipulate that let's stipulate that uh let's say that Lucroy is uh is a two warp player Santana is a three warp player mm-hmm. and Lucroy is plus 10 and Santana is minus 10 in framing. So they would, their values would switch exactly if you had, uh, they're also in the, I mean, they're in different leagues. Can they, can't you take them both? 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> this question is it, deeply flawed. But but, uh, but they, you switch the value, right? So it's ten runs in each direction. So if you if if warp, which as it soon will hopefully uh, incorporated framing, then they would have the exact opposite warps as, as they as they do in our hypothetical. So then, which one do you take the the warp as we see it, or the warp as you as you sense it to truly be? Uh, I guess the latter. Do you think that the framing, though, uh, this is the this is the question. Do you? It, I mean, it might not I, matter as much in an all star game. Yeah, I don't think you're likely to see any particularly good frames because Lucroy would be catching pitchers he's never seen before. Yeah, and you know who cares? But also on, pitchers who he... can hit their spots well. Maybe Probably. I wonder what I wonder what umpire. Do you think umpires are different in all star games? Do you think umpires I think are? So I think. Yeah, I think the, the the good umpires get selected for that sort no, of event. No, no, but, but I mean, you mean. Do, no, I don't mean that. I mean like like uh, Jim Joyce is, uh, you know, if Jim Joyce was umping an All Star game, would he be a different umpire than he is every other day? Or like, do you think he has a bigger strike zone or a smaller strike zone or exactly the same strike zone? I guess exactly the same. Yeah, I can't figure out a way that would be more entertaining. <laughs> You know, I guess a smaller strike zone would be more entertaining. You want people swinging. You're hoping that they'll figure out that they should swing. Mm -hmm. So smaller strike zone would probably be more entertaining. But uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, So anyway, the point is that I'm not sure that you would see. But but that's not necessarily the point of the All-Star game. The point of the All-Star game is partly at least to see the players that you think are the best, not necessarily to see them perform the best so much as just to see them congregated. And if you are, you know, if you really admire the skill that a particular catcher has, you might want to see him there, mm-hmm. even if you don't get to see his thing. Does that make sense? Do you think? Yeah. Like, would you? Would you? If if Molina were there, would you? Sh- <laughs> would you shake your head and think this is going to be boring, or would you be really excited? Uh, somewhere you being between. a person who <laughs> loves the All Star Game, right? Already, yes. Can't, this would can't just get enough All Stars. Heighten the excitement. I'm already on the edge of my seat. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that. I like, I like seeing Santana hit though. I enjoy that too. Yeah. I think I, I think I'm on record at some point as saying that with all-star games, I, uh, still use as a tiebreaker and probably even more, more impactful than a tiebreaker. I use the traditional stats. Uh, I still like to, I like to see dingers in the all-star game. I, I like to see the, you know, the guys who are having the, the seasons that would have excited me as a 10 year old. Mm-hmm. So I I would say that I would always skew toward uh, fastball pitchers and home run hitters and maybe s- speed speedy shortstops. But I wonder if you're more likely in an All Star game, you're probably only going to get one plate appearance, but mm-hmm. maybe you could catch multiple innings. You could. That's true. So that's a consideration. Be fun to hear the announcers talk about the catchers framing. I mean that that would be a first in an All Star game. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, possibly. Like, it'd be something for them to talk about. I mean, what are they going to talk about when Santana comes up? Here's a guy who hits not not historically well, but better than a lot of his peers. That's why he's here. Mm-hmm. It's just there's not much to say about him. But with Lucroy, you could talk. You could they could they could fill eight minutes of fairly in, intelligent conversation talking about framing. Yeah, could show some good graphics. Who broadcasts the all? Is it Fox these days? I think so. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're we're both. Are we both? Ta- I'm taking Santana. Are you taking Santana? Uh, taking- I yeah. I guess yeah. Probably. 
Well, uh, everybody, don't forget to vote. It's at J-L-W-O-J on Twitter. File your votes. Make sure that uh, hashtag hashtag frame debate. <laughs> yeah, that'll be trending. Uh, what's who's your who's your AL final vote person? By the way, well, it's which, a, it's a, which reliever I mean, it's a, do you like? It's Uhara. I mean, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm a total Koji junkie, but yes. um, I mean, the, it's it's not fair because he's my guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's yours? Uh, well, I'm fond of him too, but I have always had a soft spot for Robertson. Mm, that's true. You wrote about him. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe Robertson. The crazy thing is Delabar is a guy who, um, uh, who I have a rooting interest in this year. I won't go any deeper than that, but I have a rooting interest in him. And my impression on, of, of Steve Delabar this year is that he has been disastrously bad. And, um, no, it's not the not. case. No, he's not been bad. He has walked five batters per inning, but otherwise, mm-hmm. pretty solid good. major leaguer. Mm-hmm. I also kind of like. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Benoit, just because I wrote that thing before the year about Benoit closing and how maybe it would make sense to have him close. And there was the whole Leland thing about how he can't pitch on back-to-back days or something but now he's closing and i'm oh right kind of rooting yeah. for him well the thing about the all-star game is that the 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 one interesting thing about it is that you get to see starters pitch one inning and mm-hmm. so there's something really like uncreative about trying to get one inning relievers who oh yeah uh, it's yeah it seems very silly yeah yeah i mean even if it yeah, even getting past like the idea of you know what's the best strategy or or whatever. I mean, it's it's just not that fun to watch a reliever come in and relieve. <laughs> nope. Uh, and then Jason's other question, or the other one that we're <laughs> going to answer, was if you wanted to maximize the chance that your son would be a major league player, what first mm-hmm. name should you give him? Mm-hmm. I think that he's going for something like Brock. But I uh-huh. think that Brock is more of an athlete name than a baseball name. So I would go with uh, Casey. I think Casey is a is a, a name both with, with baseball lineage, but also um, it seems to me a, a, a disproportionate number of baseball players named Casey currently. And also it's it's you know it it sounds like a good baseball name. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, the name Jeff popped up just because uh, it feels to me like there are a disproportionate number of terrible Jeffs. Hmm. If that makes sense. And so if you want to get, I mean, uh, you know, like a guy like, uh, you know, David Wright clearly has the talent to be a major leaguer already. His name didn't get him where he is. His his play did. But then a guy like Jeff Mathis, you wonder like, well, what got him there? And he's, Jeff. You know, Jeff, his name <laughs> might, his name is not, his name has not been disproven to be the reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeff Frank Coor. For instance, is a lousy Jeff. Um, there, there, so, have, there have been some pretty good Jeffs. There, uh, sure, there have been some pretty good. There have been pretty good everything's. There have been pretty good Wades. There have been pretty good ev- mm-hmm. any name. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for what there have been pretty good ofs. We're looking for what there have been bad ofs. Hmm. And uh, I can only think of one Unieski, so I landed on Jeff. Um. <coughs> yeah, I don't know if that would help you get there. I don't. I, well, I, I think I would go with something really. If I wanted to maximize the chance, I would go.
go with something that would evoke some sort of positive association in baseball men. Um, so I'd probably name him like Scrappy or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Scrappy is a <laughs> that's a real that's really good. Yeah, that's or, really good. Yeah. Or you, I mean, just imagine too if like if his you, name were not if Scrappy weren't his nickname but were his actual given name. Right. That would be incredible. Yeah. Scrappy is a good one. Uh, yeah, there's, there have been two major leaguers named Scrappy, but none since 1917. Who do you think would, who do you think would have the edge in a, in a draft based strictly (laughs) on names, Scrappy or Slugger? (laughs) Uh, probably Slugger. Ace? What about Ace? Hmm. Ace, yeah, Ace would be pretty good. I, I think, and the other thing is, I mean, you could just name him after a really good player. Like, just name him Babe Ruth or something, and... Just like, well, yeah. No and ahead. it would be attention-getting, so he would he'd stand out. It would be a, a conversation point, and, uh, and it would have the same positive association, and maybe subconsciously you would, you would ascribe some more talent or positive qualities to him because when you think of him, you think of the best baseball player ever. Yeah, I think Bo might be a good name. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you're probably, are you old enough to remember wonderful, terrific Mons? Nope. There was a prospect, uh, you know, a fairly, fairly famous prospect, uh, as I recall it, uh, in like the early nineties, uh, who was named wonderful Mons and his middle name mm. was terrific. Uh, and his dad was, uh, also named wonderful Mons, I believe. So he was wonderful, terrific, wonderful, terrific Mons, the third. Huh. And he oh. didn't make it. <clears throat> um, let me, uh, I'll, I'll look for his page. Uh, but yeah, if you want to go ahead. Uh, okay. The next question comes from Matthew. Uh, Matthew says, there have been, there's been some talk recently about the possibility of the Brewers trading Ivani Gallardo. One of the issues that, he, that has come up is that in Yo's contract, there is a clause that allows him to block trades to 10 teams. While I can understand why a player would have a no-trade clause that covers all other teams, a limited set of teams does not make sense unless they are teams in which the player has had bad experiences. What is the advantage of such a list to both the player and the team? And then he uh, lists the teams that Gallardo can block a trade to. The Angels, Astros, Blue Jays, Indians, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Red Sox, Tigers, and Yankees. Well, I think that the answer is in that list. If uh, I, my guess is that if uh, what I'm sorry, whose question is this? George? Matthew. Matthew. I, my guess is that if Matthew were on a long car trip, uh, perhaps with his parents, and his dad had given him this riddle, uh, and he had had you know four and a half hours to solve it, mm-hmm. my guess is that he would have solved it by looking at the list of teams, right? Uh, they are. They are all. They're almost all. Almost all. Yeah. Teams that teams that a player like Giovanni Gallardo is likely to be traded to. Mm-hmm. Right, so you pick if you have a if you have a trade clause, a no trade clause, it exists almost entirely to give you contract leverage, so that when you get traded, you can work out an extension or some sort of superior contract option. Um, almost everybody accepts the trade that they're given, unless they have some sort of circumstance, like Derek Lee, I think, when he had uh, <coughs> a child who who needed like uh, medical care near where he was and. Uh, A.J. Burnett, I think, because his wife is uh, terrified of flying. Uh, but for the most part, no trade clauses exist so that you can negotiate uh, a better deal from the team that 
want to. So you just pick the 10 teams, uh, or at least the seven or eight teams that are most likely to trade for you and most likely to pay out if they want to trade for you. Uh, and then you throw on the Astros. I think if I were a player, I'd probably put the most extreme park that would not favor me on there, even if it uh-huh. weren't even if it weren't a team that I was likely to be traded to. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I'd be very concerned about my stats. Seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you look up Wonderful Mons? Yeah, Wonderful Terrific Mons uh, was. Uh, he topped out at Double A, and uh, he had a he had some decent years in there. Very speedy, a lot of stolen bases, uh, and you know, like as a twenty one year old in A ball, uh, hit two eighty, three thirty, four eighty three with twelve homers, forty seven steals. Uh, but <clears throat> a low round pick, uh, never got above Double A, um, and my guess is that I know of him because. His name got him on some baseball cards. Mm-hmm. That this was around the time when uh, th- you're probably too young to have collected baseball cards, right? Because no, by the time you no. were old enough, they I, were awful. Uh, they may have been <laughs> awful. I guess uh-huh. I didn't know any better. I had, I had, and still have binders full of them. What was the first year that you bought your your own packs? Uh, I would guess probably something like ninety three. Oh gosh, yeah. So right at the tail end of the of the golden age, I would say golden age. I, I think was probably like uh, eighty nine to ninety three, mm. and then and then it just became completely uh, <coughs> subsumed. Subsumed is that a word? Uh, it, it is subsumed, a word. <laughs> subsumed with parallels and and inserts. Um, <coughs> but uh, yeah, so around ninety four. Do you remember classics? Ninety three, ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. Do you remember classic? No. Classic was uh, doing like amateur cards and minor league cards, mm-hmm. and so I believe that's where I remember seeing a lot of wonderful, terrific Mons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my guess is that he was he was only on there because of his name. Doesn't doesn't look like he should have been a prospect to me, and he's not listed as ever being on a top hundred. Yeah, well, that would I mean he'd certainly get attention on the internet today if he were a prospect now. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's exactly what he would get. Uh, okay, next question comes from our pal Eric Hartman. He says, uh, Sam mentioned that sometimes the worst stat is enough to tell the story. Let's put this to the test using two of the worst stats, RBI and wins. I would I'd question whether those are two of the worst stats. What? There are worse ones. N- name two that are worse <laughs> at doing what they intend to do. Hmm. Uh, well... I guess they're they're certainly the worst in the in the uh, in the damage that they've caused. I don't. It feels to me like there should be some stats that that are well. There's certainly stats that are more useless. Yeah, but they are descriptive. They're not necessarily value judgments. That's true. Okay, I'll accept that they're two of the worst stats. How many of each of these would a player need to allow you to be confident? That they were the best hitter or pitcher in the league with no other information. (laughs) With your standard 20 win or 120 RBI season, it's very possible that they weren't great. But what if they had 25 wins and 160 RBI? 30 and 200. What would you guys set at the limit? It's not really conceivable that a hitter with 300 RBI would not be the best hitter. 
I think my numbers would be, I think I'd draw the line at, at 22 <laughs> wins. Oh, come on. You're saying if a pitcher won 22 wins, you would feel confident he was the best pitcher in baseball? Yeah. That's absurd, Ben. You've This is like, uh, I could probably go back no, no more than uh, 12 years and find you three examples of this that have been not true. Uh, yeah, probably 12 years ago, but 12 years ago is different. I think, I yeah. mean, in the last several seasons, the only person to do it has been uh, Justin Verlander. That's, well, in the last few years. There was a, and Cliff Lee did it in 2008, and I think either of them would certainly have an argument as the best, or the best in their league at least. Brandon Webb had uh, 22 in 2008 and was not the best pitcher in his league that year, um, although he finished second in Cy Young voting. I think it's... Wait. So hang on though. No, we've got I mean, we've got 10, 10 22 game winners since two thousand. Yes. They they include I'm looking at that list. They include Matt Morris, who was worth four war. They include Brandon Webb, yeah, five point eight war. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so it's been uh, I would say of the ten, you're right, there's all right, I, I, I withdraw. Of the ten, there is one clearly non elite season on there. Uh and we're not, and and, and, we're and, saying, and then eight eight that are, are arguably, uh, you know, you could probably argue were the best best year, or yeah. you at least would be laughed out of the room. And we're saying uh, confident, reasonably confident. I mean, if my if I were staking my life on it, I would mm-hmm. I would raise it a few wins as I value my life. But it's crazy how big a difference there is between twenty one and twenty two. Because yeah, if you look right. at the, last year, Gio Gonzalez had twenty one. There's so many the bad twenty one. Like yes. Russ Ortiz, two win, <laughs> right. twenty one. Andy Pettit, three win, twenty one. Yep. Jamie Moyer, Bartolo Colon in two thousand five, mm-hmm. twenty one. I mean, yeah. So it's a huge Ian Kennedy, huge difference between twenty one and twenty two. I wonder if that's just a coincidence or what. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, but at, at 22, I think there's, I, I don't know, I'd say there's maybe a maybe an 80 percent probability, something like that, that you're that you're the best pitcher. Okay, uh, maybe that's. But I don't know. It's hard to say. Bet. I mean, best is so debatable. Like, can sure. we just agree 80 percent chance that you're one of the three best? Uh, yeah, I think that's yes. I might go I'd even be, higher. I'd, I would be sad. I mean, I don't want to say who's the best. We don't know who's. We never know who's the best. So let's say let's say top. Generally, consensus top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so twenty-two okay. is my number. <clears throat> well, I was going to go way higher than that, um, but you're living in the you, past. You've sort of convinced me. Get with the times. Uh, uh, yeah, I take uh, twenty-two seems reasonable. I was actually thinking I was going to go something like twenty-six, mm. but. Uh, but maybe because I wanted it to be definitive. Yeah, if you want to be definitive, then then that seems reasonable. So, you, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to switch to RBI. Was there some other picture sure. thing that no. you want to talk about? No. 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 Okay. Um, I think my RBI equivalent of 22 wins would be 155. If you do a if you do a search of 155, you get 30 seasons in the last, you know, 113 or so. Um, so it's very rare. The last time it happened, 
I think was Alex Rodriguez. Let me. Uh, yeah, uh, Alex Rodriguez had 156 in 2007 when he was probably the best player in baseball. Um, yeah, he won an MVP award. So, so I think I'm gonna go with that. If you lower it, it's if you lower it to 150, it's kind of like it's kind of like the 22 to 21 win difference. It's, it expands the pool quite a bit. Ben, do you hear this sound? Yes, on my end? I was about to ask you what, <laughs> what that was. I have no idea. I think it might be a raccoon. This I is... don't know. It's very near me, though. It's terrifyingly close to me. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Is it? I'm looking. I mean, I'm sitting in the dark. I'm. I'm, this is just awful. I'm wondering whether there's... I'm sitting up against the back of the house. It's possible that it's a raccoon underneath my house. Hmm. Which I guess would be not too scary. Because it's not going to get me. But, uh, <laughs> gosh. I don't think it's going to get you regardless of where it is. But It could be above me, though. It could just be waiting to jump. Yeah, that would be more nerve-wracking. Uh, 155 is definitely a number that I would, um, I'd consider a line 155, maybe 160, 160 seems like elite. Again, I, I think I probably over, um, you know, overdrew where I thought the line would be to be like a hundred percent confident. And so I was going to say something like, you know, 195 or something just absurd, <laughs> um, <clears throat> to be the, you know, to be sure that it's the best, the, uh, the, I guess with the, um, I guess the trickier question is like, what would the spread have to be between two players for you to be, let's say, 98% confident mm. that player A is better than player B? Uh-huh. Because uh, you could certainly imagine... Knowing nothing else. I yeah, mean, knowing yeah, nothing just, else. Just, just the lineup batting. order and... Right, yeah. Exactly. Uh, hmm. To be 98% confident, I would say probably like uh, 60 a 60 RBI gap. Yeah. I mean, in 2000 Coors Field, that would not get you close to enough. I mean, I'm sure that Andres okay. Galarraga drove in 150 in a year where I could find, you know, 10 players who were better than him. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, but 2000 Coors doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so I'm not really considering it. Um, yeah, Galarraga drove in exactly 150 in 1996. Okay. I mean, sir, like, what did Michael Bourne... Michael Bourne was, like, something like a six-win player last year. Mm -hmm. And I doubt he drove in more than, what, 45, 50? Uh, 57. 57. So, you know, uh, yeah, maybe in this day and age, 117 is... It's not... 117 would not be an uh, out of range for a player who is less than a six-war player, though. No. So, I think, I, I think that you're probably... I, I think... I think to be ninety eight percent sure, you might actually need something like a like a hundred and ten RBI gap, or like a you could maybe like a hundred. Yeah, that's. I don't. Know. That's. I huge. would not. I wouldn't go lower than ninety. <clears throat> well, I like to live life on the edge. Mm -hmm. And probably for a, for wins total, I would probably want something like a like a thirteen or a fourteen win gap. Yeah, having having seen Cliff Lee in the last few years and. And other pitchers like that, probably, yeah, that sounds reasonable. All right. 
RBI okay. wins and wins and RBI are, are very insidious statistics. It's tough to it's tough to eradicate them because it would be easy to eradicate them if they were a little less correlated with performance, but they're they're like just enough correlated with performance that it's hard to talk people out of them. Because mm-hmm. if you look at a, a leaderboard <laughs> for any any year, it's almost always um, the best player or one of the very best players, and then it's hard to make that argument that it doesn't reflect performance when all the people at the top of the leaderboard are generally very good. Um, it's frustrating. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we have any more, but if if we, we do, more. let's make let's make it. Yeah, let's do the last. I'm terrified. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. We'll answer this before the raccoon the raccoon gets you. Uh, this one comes from Doug. I get that generally speaking, relievers wouldn't be as effective as starters because they work much harder for a shorter duration. This is evidenced by Roldis Chapman throwing 101 for one inning, but probably around 94 to 95 if he were to pitch as a starter. Mariano Rivera has uh, pretty much thrown around 92 miles per hour for his entire career, basically just using his cutter. He is one of the few pitchers, I know of anyway, who exclusively throws a here-it-is-hit-it pitch that isn't a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. So my question is, not necessarily could Mariano Rivera be a starter, but is it possible that if someone with slightly better arm strength could learn Rivera's cutter, we could see a starting pitcher with Rivera's numbers, given that the pitch is only thrown at 92 miles per hour? Seeing as Rivera isn't the classic, I throw it as hard as I possibly can for an inning reliever, it seems doable if someone else could learn the cutter like that. It is interesting because Rivera has probably at this point faced some batters like, I don't know, 25, 30 times? Uh, I would guess <laughs> more than that. Mm-hmm. Let me, yeah, I can check quickly. Um, but, 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 but can you check more quickly than I can check? <laughs> uh but he hasn't faced them more than once in a game, which is probably the more relevant statistic, I would think. Mm-hmm. Well, to I guess one answer to the question 53 is 53 times he has faced <sighs> many Ramirez. My, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean, one thing is that just because, well, I guess Rivera throws 92... But presumably, if he were a starter, he wouldn't throw ninety-two, right? Right. So he, yeah. So he's saying someone who could do that. Uh huh. But then whoever, wait. So, yeah. Wait. Uh, but then if he could do that, then he would throw even harder. Is oh, so like basically, he's saying if there's a guy who threw ninety-five as a reliever, could uh, and could, could cut it like Rivera. I, mean, I think yeah. Well, he's saying if someone could throw Rivera's cutter. <laughs> Exactly like Rivera throws it, but whoa, as a starter. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ray Durham. Oh. <laughs> 26 played appearances against Mariano Rivera. 0 for 26. Oh, never wow. re- never reached base. <laughs> and only three strikeouts. And only three strikeouts. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> wow. You're just I'm looking down this list of like numbers and it's like 234, 189, 353, 000. <laughs> Double take. Crazy. Yeah. That I wonder if that that's got to be a record, right? I bet no player has faced any, no non-pitcher has faced any pitcher more times without getting a hit. I'm gonna just stake my reputation saying got to be a record. As a, I would say as an expert on fun facts, uh-huh. this fun fact feels historic to me. 
I'm... My, my, my considered opinion is that this fun fact has great value. I agree with that. I, I'm of the opinion that it is not the most, the most hitless plate appearances any hitter has had. I'm always surprised by how often things happen over and over in baseball and how nothing that I initially think is special is, is special. I, uh, I feel like the Mariano Rivera question um, perhaps needs more thought. Um, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, do you think, I guess the question is, do you think that we'll see a one pitch pitcher dominate the way that Rivera dominated as a starter? Is that, do you think that's a fair summation of the question? Like has yeah. Rivera opened well, up the door to what we think a pitcher could do even as a starter? Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's an okay way to interpret it. I don't know whether he's saying that the, the starter has to be as effective as Rivera on an inning per inning basis. Cause that seems impossible. Um, or I don't know whether he's saying just that a guy can get by with one pitch, which, I mean, Bartolo Colon kind of gets by with one pitch. He kind of does, yeah. Um, but... And yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. It's. Uh, I wonder what Rivera would have done as a starter. I mean, we know that he wasn't a very good starter coming up, but he wasn't. He he had some interesting. Uh, you know, things to him as a prospect and he didn't throw a cutter when he was a starter. So it would have, it'd be great if you could go to one of those other universes where he was kept as a starter and learned the cutter. Um, cause yeah, there's probably, we, I, I don't know. I think we've got a lot to learn about how to utilize pitches. It seems to me that, um, probably I think it is my personal hypothesis that, uh, pitch mixing is overrated and that we're going to move further and further away from it. So I guess that sort of answers the question. I think that uh, particularly with starters, we're going to move further and further away from pitch mixing and see a lot more guys who are uh, essentially one slash two pitch pitchers. And, uh, you know, is that just just because guys go through the lineup fewer times now? I think it's because their pitches are all much more unhittable. Hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of guys right now who can throw the same pitch 20 times in a row and it can't get caught up to. Yeah, but I wonder whether you could do that going through a lineup multiple times. Yeah, I I think we're getting closer to that point, and I think that pitches will continue to get even better. Interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, you you should get yourself safely inside and do some research on Ray Durham and Hitless hitless streaks against pitchers. Okay. All right. uh, We'll be back tomorrow with another show.